Hey, we're starting a new series in the book of Exodus tonight. Uh, for many weeks, we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew, and now we're going to be spending four weeks looking at Exodus. And uh, if you've got a Bible or if it's on your phone, uh, please do turn to Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. Uh, but you may be familiar with the story already, particularly the beginning of Exodus. Uh, but the people of Israel, they're in slavery in Egypt, and they find themselves in a situation that they themselves are powerless to change. They're in slavery, they're in bondage, and they're facing real challenges. And maybe you can relate to that tonight. I don't know what you're facing in your life, but we're certainly facing challenges in our world, so much poverty and injustice. The, the people in this story, they're in trouble, but they cry out to God. They do the sensible thing and they pray and they pray a very simple prayer, help us. And God answers their prayer, not particularly in an extraordinary way, other than raising up someone to lead them and to serve them and sending them Moses, who would lead his people out of bondage and into freedom and deliverance. And some of you, again, you might know the story, but God reveals himself to Moses in a burning bush, and he gives him this command, go. And if you've been tracking with us over the last few weeks, we heard that again and again through Matthew's gospel, but particularly through the Great Commission, go and make disciples. And the crucial, critical question for Moses with that command is, how is he going to respond? How do we respond when God calls us? That is a crucial question for each one of us. So let's start Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 to 14 initially. God said, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then we jump across to Exodus 4, 1 to 5, and then 10 to 17. Moses answered, but what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then jumping on to verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, 
I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned again against Moses. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. How many people watched the coronation yesterday? Yes, lots of people. What is anyone there in the moment? I know one or two of you were, but I know you also don't like lifting your hands up. Uh, but wasn't it an amazing day? Millions of people all over the world watching and celebrating King Charles III being coronated in Westminster Abbey. The 40th reigning monarch crowned there since 1066. What a day in our British history. And as well as being a historic day featuring customs dating back more than a thousand years, the ceremony itself, the service which we took a part in, was based directly on the consecration and the anointing of King Solomon in the Old Testament, where kings and priests were anointed for service, anointed for leadership. And down the centuries, kings and queens, they've been called out and set apart to serve their people under God. And that's what King Charles has committed to do. He's been anointed, called out to serve and to lead. And really, without the pomp and the ceremony and the soldiers, this is what we find here. In a similar way, we read in Exodus that Moses is called out and set apart by God for a divine purpose. And I don't know if there were particular moments of the coronation that struck you, but I know for me it was that moment where King Charles took off his robes and he was just left kneeling in just a very simple shirt. And it was just this moment of simplicity and humility. And then those sort of uh, shields or whatever they were called, barriers, you know, they were very ornate, but basically it was just a partition that was brought there. And just this moment of privacy between him and God to take on the enormity of the calling that he was to receive. You know, leadership is cultivated in the private place. What a responsibility. What humility is required for that role of service and leadership. Today, Moses, he's still regarded as, as one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. And yet, as we read through, and we're going to come to different stories over the next few weeks, we read about Moses' fear, his weakness, his vulnerability, his lack of confidence. And I don't know about you, but I can identify with Moses in all of that. A little bit weak, a little bit fearful, a little bit vulnerable. And yet God chose him for a divine purpose. And God chooses each one of us for a divine purpose. At this point in Moses' life, he's having a bit of an identity crisis. Uh, he spent 40 years growing up uh, in Pharaoh's palace. 
He's had all the privilege, the power, and the prestige of royalty. But then after abusing that power, he murdered an Egyptian slave. He spends the next 40 years as a refugee in Midian, out in the wilderness, out in the secret, private place, probably wondering why on earth he did what he did, looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And now at age 80, perhaps understandably, he's not really expecting a call from God to come from within a burning bush. But God sees where he's at. He knows where to find Moses. And I find that hugely encouraging. He's 80 years old. You're never too young and you're never too old to be used by God. And he knows exactly where to find you. Don't think God has forgotten you or left you on the shelf. He knows your name. He knows where you are. Uh, The evangelist D.L. Moody, he says this. He says, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody. 40 years learning he was nobody. And 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Each one of us, in a way, is a bit of a nobody. Just ordinary, aren't we? And that moment when King Charles knelt in his shirt, I thought, you're just an ordinary guy. And yet, he's called for a purpose. I think there might be someone here today, and it's almost like, not through me speaking, but this moment of you being in church, it's almost like that burning bush moment. Maybe God is trying to get your attention again. My encouragement to you today, don't miss that moment when God calls you. Because in that moment, each one of us needs to decide. We've got a choice to make. How are we going to respond to God's call? Do we ignore it and turn the other way? There's a few people in the Bible who did that. Jonah, for a start. Or do we say yes, like Moses did? He said, here I am. I think what we see in this story, Moses, he's a pretty reluctant leader. I feel like a reluctant leader so much of the time. A bit shy, haven't got it all together. And particularly in these days, there's so much pressure and responsibility in the leadership space, in the cancel culture that we're living in, the complexity of the terrain in which we're leading in. And I know many of you are facing that and experiencing that as well, maybe in your workplaces, the roles that you're in. It can be tempting to try and avoid responsibility altogether. Our reluctance pushes through. That's what Moses tries to do. And here we see in this passage that Moses makes five excuses to try and step aside from the responsibility of serving and leading. And God gives him five answers to those reluctant excuses. So let's take a look at them. The first one is, Moses says, you've got the wrong person. In verse 10, God's calling comes, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses says, who am I that I should go? In other words, what have I got to offer? Moses is like, look, look at my background. Look at where I've come from. I haven't got anything. I was abandoned as a child. I've made some serious mistakes. And he had. <laughs> Moral failure. 
Moses had killed someone. That's quite extreme, but there may be things that in our past, mistakes that we've made, that might make us think that God could never use us, or he wouldn't ever want to use us again. Maybe you feel like that tonight. Maybe you feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough for what God might want me to do. or I'm not holy enough. But God is calling you to lead in some way, to step up, to take responsibility. Leadership is just influence, and leadership matters. God's answer in verse 12 to Moses' objection is, I will be with you. Whatever we feel about ourselves, he says, I will be with you. Isn't that such a relief? It's actually not about us. It's all about him. I remember when I sensed a call to ordination. Certainly wasn't clear. It was the last thing I thought I would ever do, really. I was working in the church, but the thought of being ordained in the Church of England, clerical collar, and all, I mean, I can't even bring myself to wear it now. But I knew that God was calling me to the church and ultimately to the Church of England. And as I've stepped into that calling, I've discovered, even though try and bring what I've got. It's actually nothing to do with me. Most of what happens is by accident. It's all about him. The second excuse that Moses gives is, I'm not ready yet. In verse 13, he says, what shall I tell them? In other words, I'm not ready yet. They might reject me. It's not the right time. And again, I don't know about you, but it's so easy to put things off. It's so easy to think, I'll do that thing uh, maybe when I've finished university or when I've finished this job or when the kids have grown up or when things aren't quite so busy. But the truth is, the slower day never comes. And I think most of the people who've stepped up to lead, all they've done is they've just managed to push through all the other stuff that they've got to do. Now is the time. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Maybe you're new to church, maybe you're new to faith, and you're thinking, oh, I don't think this is quite the right time. But God is calling you today. Maybe you've been, like my mom and dad, faithfully serving and leading for years and years and years. And maybe you just think, oh, I think I'm through it. I can put my feet up. God is calling you, still calling you to serve him. It's interesting, I think, that in this moment, God doesn't give Moses a motivational speech. That's what I would have liked. I would have loved God to have said something like, no, you can do it. You've got everything you need. No, don't worry about it. You've got all the skills. You've got a great beard. He doesn't do any of that. He just says, I am who I am. It's about me. And I think if we're to serve and to lead... Really, we need to consider those two questions. Who am I and who is God? Who am I, my identity? Who is God, his identity? Because when we know whose we are, we know who we are. Our identity is formed as we have a fresh understanding and revelation of his identity. The third excuse. Moses says, what if I fail? Chapter 4, verse 1. He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? In other words, what if it doesn't work? 
Like many of us, Moses had a massive fear of failure. What if it just doesn't turn out how I expect it to? But the simple truth is that no great success was ever achieved without failure. Even moral failure, like Moses, or maybe failed attempts. I think about Edison's 10,000 attempts to create the light bulb, or Dyson's 5,126 attempts to create a bagless vacuum cleaner. We're all grateful for light bulbs. We're all grateful that Edison failed quite a few times. But it's hard for us, isn't it, when we fear failure. But the important thing is that we fail fast, that we learn from it, particularly when we make mistakes morally or in our own lives, to humbly turn back to God. And it's in those moments that failure can unlock our future. I like what one person said, failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. And that's why great leadership requires great humility. To be in accountable relationships, to be honest about stuff in our lives. When we do that, by God's grace, he can use us through any circumstance. He turns all things for good for those who love him. In this story, God says to Moses in verse 2, he asks him a question. He says, well, what's in your hand? You're fearing failure, but what's in your hand? And Moses shows him his staff, and God asks him to lay it down. So he throws it down on the ground. Now, you might be thinking, well, what good is a staff? What's the point of that? Some theologians, they've suggested that Moses' staff, it rep- represents three different things. His identity, Moses was a shepherd. His influence. It was how he would influence the sheep, how he would protect the sheep in the field and his income. His staff represented his livelihood. And what we see is that when Moses laid his staff down, it comes alive. Verse 3, Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. But when he picks it up again, it just becomes a wooden staff. And I think the point is this, when we lay ourselves down before God, things that are valuable to us, our identity, our influence, our our income, our livelihood, when we lay that down, when we entrust it to God, he uses it to bring life to those around us. He uses it to be a witness to God. But when we try and pick it up again and hold it to ourselves, it kind of just becomes dead in our hands. It doesn't have the use and the effectiveness. All that we've been given, our talents, our education, our freedom, our creativity, our wealth, that which God has entrusted to us as we give it away, lay it down. He uses it for his greater purpose and his glory. The fourth excuse Moses says is, I'm not qualified. In verse 10, He says, I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech. Again, he's basically saying, I can't do this. I haven't got the skills. I haven't got what it takes. I'm not a good communicator. I'm not very good at public speaking. 
I'll let you into a secret. Emily and I, every time we have to get up on this stage, the day's running up to us speaking or preaching. We always just go to one another. I can't do it. I can't do it. I haven't got anything to say. And you might be thinking, you're right. (laughs) You can't do it. But nevertheless, God's called us to take this responsibility, for good or for ill, I'm really sorry. And we come with all of our weakness and in humility. And what I'm learning more and more is that when we choose to just lay down what we've got and just simply give what we sense he's giving us, then he uses it and he multiplies it. I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And really, that's the best place to be, just weak, and because he gets all the glory. We don't want to put the attention onto ourselves. I love what John says. He says, you must increase and we must decrease. When we're aware of our weaknesses and our vulnerability, he's the one who gets the glory. I love God's response to Moses. He basically says, who says you can't speak? He says, I gave you your mouth anyway. Who says you can't do these things? I made your mouth, now go. Again, he doesn't kind of like mince his words. He just says, go. I don't care if you don't feel like you can speak. Go for it. Just step out. Fifthly and finally, Moses has one last ditch effort at trying to avoid that which God is calling him to. And in verse 13, he says, Oh Lord, I don't know if you heard the resident, Oh Lord, please send someone else. Have you ever felt like that when you've been asked to do something? Please send someone else, God, not me. I know so many of you have stepped out and done amazing things following God's call. And maybe in that moment, you felt like that as well. Oh Lord, please send somebody else. And in terms of roles and leadership responsibilities in serving, even say in a church like this, it can be quite tempting to think, oh, someone else will do it. Lord, please send somebody else to help with the kids. Please send somebody else to be on the hosting team or please send somebody else to do evangelism and mission or whatever it might be. But God's calling us for this divine purpose. And he responds to Moses. I mean, he's a bit cross He's a bit cross in this moment. He's sort of a bit more than frustrated. It says his anger burned against him. It's pretty serious stuff. And yet he responds gently and patiently. He says, I will help you. I'll teach you what to do. I want you to go. I'm calling you out. I want you to take responsibility. But you're not on your own. We do this in community. We do this in team and he sends Aaron his brother to help and he says I'll help both of you to speak and to teach you what to do five excuses five responses but in spite of those things Moses says here I am he gives his yes and he simply makes himself available to God. And again, that's the question for each one of us. How will we respond when God calls us? In this story, Moses prefigures Jesus, the one who willingly laid his own life down. 
And the same God who chose Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery is the one who came to lead humanity out of bondage through the cross and the resurrection. Not an earthly king, but the king of kings. Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he was called, he was anointed set apart and called out. And even Jesus wrestled with his own calling in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweated drops of blood and he said, but take this cup from me, but not my will be done, but yours be done. The writer to the Hebrews declares Jesus as the greater Moses, the suffering servant, the one who ultimately comes to deliver his people, to set us free from the power of sin and death. And he invites each one of us into that calling, to be a part of that kingdom mandate, to see people set free, transformed through his love in this world. Earlier this week on Monday and Tuesday, Emily and I and a little team from here, we had the privilege of going to the uh, Alpha International Leadership Conference at the Royal Albert Hall. It was absolutely amazing times, particularly thinking about COVID and all sorts of stuff that's gone online. Just to be together with 5,000 other leaders who have really responded to that which God has called them to and just simply said yes. People from all over the world just saying, God, I believe you're real. Whatever you want me to do. I'll go for you. Here am I. God is calling you today for a divine purpose. You may be sitting here tonight just thinking, I think you've got the wrong person. I'm not qualified. I'm not ready. What if I fail? Please send someone else. But the truth is God calls each one of us and he anoints each one of us by the power of his spirit. We are his royal priesthood. And as we kneel before him, knowing that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, we can know that he is the one who says, I am who I am, and I will be with you always. Amen. Amen.